Welcome to an immediate bonus episode of Roots Rock Riot, the Grassroots Rugby Podcast with me, Ian Harries. I'm sure a lot of you are wondering who I actually am, and to get to the bottom of that question, I've invited my good friend and sports journalist, Nate Saunders, to join me on the podcast. Nate currently covers F1 for ESPN, but his rugby pedigree runs deep. In his pre-motorsport days, he covered rugby, and while he covered rugby, I beat him in the Six Nations Fantasy League, something that I bring up at every given opportunity. And he's also been called a cunt by a prominent former scrum half, who shall remain nameless. So, he seemed the perfect person to bring on to ask the question, who is Ian Harris, and why does he insist on talking about rugby? So for episode zero, which is a thing, we are joined by, I was going to say pioneering rugby journalist, but I would argue that is 100% incorrect. <laughs> but we are joined by former rugby journalist and current F1 correspondent, Nate Saunders. Hello, mate. How are you doing? Ah, all good. That was, a, that was a great lead in. I mean, it, former rugby journalist does sound like I was kind of disgraced and exiled from the community. I just moved. <laughs> There wasn't enough cars. Exactly, yeah, exactly. I was like, not enough cars in rugby. Where are all the cars going? I don't like this. Quite a switch. But no, it's been a long time actually since I did that. Um, 2013 it would have been. So this is nice to to chat a bit. Shit, really? Yeah. That long ago? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was... So for people listening, Ian and I go back to university. Yeah, that's when we met. And I think 2013, that was when our friendship was based on occasionally meeting at the Maple Leaf in London. And having yes. pints and talking yes. about rugby. That was literally what kept the friendship together for about uh, a year or two when I first moved to London. It, yeah, it's both of our personalities take some time to get getting adjusted to. Yeah. So two <laughs> two years of just sport transitioned into a beautiful yeah, friendship. We we eventually let ourselves talk about something that wasn't sport or South Park after a while and it worked. So that was good. Yes. I mean jury's still out, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean jury's still out probably on your side. Not for me, mate. I'm I'm all in now. So <laughs> Thanks. I, I really needed to hear that today. So Nate is here to uh, talk to me about rugby, to introduce you guys to, should we just say, the very concept of me. Yeah. Who who are you? Well, I was born on a Wednesday. The dew lay glistening on the ground, etc., etc. But yeah, yeah. I mean, that's pretty much what we're here for. Yeah. Well, I mean, I can fire away. This is in my wheelhouse, obviously, as a journalist. So, I mean, tell me, we've spoken about this, you know, for a few weeks and it's a really, really exciting, cool idea. Just kind of lay it out for everyone. What is what is the idea behind this podcast and why are you so passionate about grassroots rugby? Because I know it's something that, you know, you are incredibly passionate about. So the idea is there's a lot, there's, there are grassroots rugby podcasts out there, but they look at it at a very kind of high level, broad, or like very league based approach. And there wasn't really anything there that kind of, I think, put the, the teams and the people in the middle of it. And for me, that's what grassroots rugby's always been. It's about the actual clubs and the people behind them and, you know, all of the weird and wonderful things that they're doing. So I thought, let's start a podcast on it. So I already host uh, a movie and TV podcast, which, which is great. Uh, it's called The Podcast Nobody Asked For. Yeah. Thanks. Didn't pay Nate for that. Oh, I'm not paying Nate at all. But <laughs> in fact, I'm paying for I'm paying for that podcast. So I've, I've got this all <laughs> very I've true. Got this all very wrong. true. I've got this all wrong somewhere. <laughs> so I thought um, to put those skills to good use to try to do something for the rugby community. The idea is that hopefully people discover some clubs they didn't know about. They discover some stories they hadn't heard. And we just talk to the people who make grassroots rugby move. Nice. And 
what just briefly you've played rugby the entire time I've known you, but what's, but what's been your, your kind of career path there since you've played? So I played a little bit at secondary school. We were, we were very much a football year. So trying to get rugby in like PE lessons and after school was an uphill battle, but we got, we got some, some there anyway. I kind of fell out of it a little bit at university uh, and I think uh, you were the same, yeah, right? Hundred percent. Like we said, we both we both went to Reading. Reading, I am fairly sure, was an example of a lot of university rugby things where the culture was just not just awful. Well, the rug the rugby captain in halls, oh, he eventually became the rugby captain. Lived next door to me in in halls, and you'd often, you know, you'd get him coming back from a a social and the things they would talk about. And I was like, I'm glad. I'm not involved in that. It just sounded... It, it was like all the parts of... U, U, worst parts of university culture and rugby culture together. And I think that put a lot of people... Yeah, I, exactly. And I think it was kind of the time where a lot of like the the hazing stuff was in the news and it was all a bit like... Yeah, like, you know, each to their own. But it wasn't for... It was... It just solidified everything that I'd heard about rugby. So I kind of disappeared from the fold for a little bit. And then in my mid-20s, probably my mid to late, or probably more accurately late 20s, I decided to give it another go because I realised that I was just coming up with excuses why not to get into it. And if I didn't get into it, I would just keep questioning whether I could have played it again kind of thing. So uh, a friend of mine, Erin, who still plays for Ickenham, had been hounding me for years <laughs> to come down to uh, Ickenham Rugby Club. So we're based out of... Uh, Northwest London. Uh, if you look at your podcast feed, there is currently an episode there about uh, the Ickenham Saints. And came down and they told me to play hooker and I immediately fell in love with it all again. It's because it's just for me, it kind of boils down to rugby at this level is it's just having fun with a group of friends. Yeah. Right. Like, you can take it as seriously as you want, and a lot of kind of clubs obviously take it really seriously. But for me, it has always come down to, I just want to play rugby. Yeah. Like, I don't care what level it is. I don't care. Even necessarily, as long as I know I've put everything I have out there, I don't even necessarily... It doesn't... You know, obviously you want to win. Yeah, of course. But for me, the important thing is doing doing everything you can yeah. kind of on the field. And you get to hit people. Well, yeah, I was, uh, was going to make that point, that... That is that is quite a big plus, but I think also that's a, it's an interesting comparison, isn't it? The um the change between playing at like university versus playing now, because you're right. I think at university that that love is probably not there in the same way, and that's not to knock mm-hmm. the guys that play at uni because you know they're all the one the, the one the reason I didn't play wasn't actually because the culture was because I got there did one training session and realized that there was a big gulf between how good I was and how good everybody else playing in my positions were. But yeah, I can um, I can see how when you get older, a bit more a bit more maturity, a bit more passion at the heart of everything. And I mean, you know, yours hasn't been without <laughs> without your bumps and your bruises because you haven't played for a while, right? You've it's uh, I, I forget exactly how long you've been sidelined for now, but you know, you're you're currently on the men. So this is this is something that has taken its toll on you, like as I'm sure it has for a lot of people who will listen to this show as well. Yeah. So I mean, th- to be fair, there is a part of that might have something to do with the podcast that I still want to be involved with rugby even though yeah. I can't currently play so I uh I was knocked out for most of last season with my back 
which was nice. So I ended up getting, as a 33-year-old man at the time, sciatica. Which is rough. I've, which I've had was, that it was rough. Oh, it was like, I... It turns out I never fully understood what a bad back was, mm. like until because I think I I think I sent you a voice note of you asked how I was doing and I responded with a voice note of the noises I was make trying to stand up off the yeah, sofa, which I believe I listened to in public, which was a mistake. <laughs> yeah, it it was not a good part, so that took a while to come back to, and then <laughs> in June. Uh, I managed to come back for a sevens tournament, which as someone who has just floated between hooker and tighthead the last two seasons, should not have been anywhere near. Uh, Literally lasted three minutes where I jumped up to intercept a ball, which momentarily was the best thing I'd ever done on a rugby field, (laughs) but then came down on one leg and hyperextended my knee, and I am still coming back from that. It's... It's fine. It was also the last rugby I was going to play before my wedding, just in case I got injured, which didn't go down particularly well. But I was fine. You couldn't see the knee support on the wedding. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I feel like that was massively tempting fate. And to be honest with you, having been at your wedding, you wouldn't have known you were carrying a knee. It wasn't like you were hobbling around, Mm. from what I could tell. So you were manning through it. You know, I forgot. During, yeah. during the service, I wasn't there like, oh, Ian's knees looking bad. I, I, I like I like the idea of bringing it constantly up at the wedding. <laughs> yeah, just yeah, just everything that sounded like knee, like, oh, well, speaking of knee. Yeah. I, I promise to never bring up my knee apart from when it hurts, which it does actually yeah. now. I'll never forget when I got down on one knee, which ironically I couldn't do right now. <laughs> but there was, um, there, there are some incredible photos from the wedding of somebody, uh, the band was playing, they they did the classic wedding band thing of telling people to get down. Yeah. And everyone got low and I could not get low. <laughs> and there is a photo of somebody laughing and then pointing me out to someone <laughs> that I couldn't get low enough. It was like, yep, that's a mix of uh I'm still not 100% sure if that was the knee or the trousers. Yeah, the trousers were pretty tight. But uh, we we're the But same. we're getting there. We're getting Good. There. I'm hoping, hoping to be back soon. Yeah. But as as I think you'd experience with any sport like this, it is a constant battle of if I had my way, I would be playing this weekend. Yes. But I know I can't. You'll remember when we when we when we lived together, which was what for a good four years. I, as Ian mentioned, I you know a Formula One journalist, so I travel quite a lot. And you'll remember I went and played for an innocuous five-a-side football game the Monday before I was meant to travel to Azerbaijan, the first time I went to Baku. And during the game, I stood on top of the football, twisted my ankle really badly, pretty sure I like ruptured some ligaments in hindsight. And you're right, kind of hobbled back. And I said to you, I was like, I reckon I'm still going to go. It was Sorry, it was the week after I was going to go. I was like, I reckon I'm still going to go. And you were saying, yeah, that's insane because you can barely walk. And I was like, I'm fine. And I, I went and it, I shouldn't have done. <laughs> you know, it was complete, you know, pure agony. But yeah, I do think there's like a, sometimes there's like an impetuous desire to just keep keep playing and that ultimately yeah when it's at that level you've got to you've got to look after yourself. yeah I, I remember in that in that same house uh we were watching i think american football i was having a massive go at a coach for putting in a player who was clearly injured uh, and said people should just know when to rest and a beat passed and then you looked at me and just went how's uh how's your ribs doing ian it's like oh yeah they're <laughs> fucked it's like you're playing tomorrow though, right? It's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you're I like, am. Shut up, mate. This different. is not what I meant. Okay. I was making comments. That's completely different. <laughs> I remember that. I remember that. And it was um but it's it's one of those things, isn't it? It's it's what you don't I think you don't realise, and I feel like a lot of people 
will relate to that. You don't realize you're doing it yourself. You're convinced I'm fine. I'm 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 battling through this injury. I'm all right. But that that professional player, he needs you know, it's different for him. Well, that guy on my team is yeah. different for him. Yeah, it's funny how the how the human mind works. But I think for you, I think playing grassroots rugby has has probably massively helped on the. I mean, obviously, it's helped on the fitness side, but it's helped you kind of focus that side of your life in a good way too, right? Like you're constantly yeah. having a reason to stay fit, stay healthy. I know you did the. I'm going to drop Sam Warburton's name in because I know you love the man. But you did his um program for a couple of years, right? You know, during yes. lockdown, which yeah. I, I I jumped on, I jumped on with when we were living together in in the lockdown. So stuff like that, I, th- I think, whether it's grassroots rugby or anything, having having something alongside you know your day to day that keeps you fit is is invaluable. Well, I've I've always been like that of, and I I think yeah, lo- lots of people get lots of different things out of rugby, which is kind of what we're exploring in this podcast. But for me, it's a mix of obviously, like I've met some incredible people while playing. There were people at my wedding who I met playing rugby but it's the yeah like I I think you're quite similar where I need an end game for stuff like I can't just go to the gym for the gym's sake or go for a run for the run like I need that thing that I'm always kind of aiming for and for me kind of rugby filled that void a little bit and again I've I've that void has been filled before by uh, you know, 10Ks and half marathons and things like that. But those aren't full contact. Yeah. So well, I mean, rugby's definitely... They could be if you, want, if you made them. I mean, if you ran into someone at the end of a 10K, suddenly it's suddenly it's full contact. True. You might not be allowed to Which do it anymore. Which I did. But... I, I, there is an incredible video of me accidentally running into someone at the finish line of a half oh. marathon. <laughs> is that one of the classics where they've completely stopped and you run in full pelt? So it was... I, I'd, I'd, I'll, I'll, try and, I'll try and find it for you. I ran it with uh, a friend of mine who... I don't think he plays rugby, but I got introduced to him as the two rugby fans at a party. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we were both Scarlets fans. And it was both Scarlets fans with distinctly, I was born in London accents. Yeah. <laughs> we ran this thing together. We ran the whole thing uh, at the same time. And then it got to like the last 50 meters. And it was like, I'm going to beat, I'm going to win this. <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna. And it just turned into us running as fast as we could, and you forget that the finish line is slightly raised because they've got the fucking tracker shit underneath. Yes, it. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got that like little hump. Yeah. So I went straight over the hump into somebody who had just started slowing oh, down. Oh god! And there's just a video of me just like, oh, sorry. That's great. But yeah, not my finest moment, but not my no, worst. No, no, in the middle somewhere. Exactly, exactly in the middle. Well, as you mentioned, you play for Ickenham, which is an episode that is available for people to listen to after this one. Um, and I know a question that is going to be a theme of this pod is going to be uh, which professional rugby player you'd like to join your club. So I thought the, the easiest and the fairest way to kick off this exciting new podcast is for me to ask you that question. So I have recorded a fair few of these already, and I am going to take a leaf out of a book of a couple of them by giving two answers. Nice. <laughs> so a big thing with grassroots rugby is playing rugby and obviously it is also the social side of it so for the playing rugby i'm obviously going to pick someone we've already talked about already in this 15 minute episode uh it's sam warburton <laughs> so I, I i i've been smiling as you've been leading up to because i knew it was sam warburton I, of course it's fucking and, sam and just as a just as a quick aside obviously having known ian as well as i have for so long 
actually, we, we kind of downplayed how good our friendship was leaving university because we talked about other things. One of the topics we always talked about, however, was Sam Warburton's red card in 2011. And I, th- I, th- I think Ian is still, still upset about that. We, I, I strongly believe we would have won that. Oh, uh, and also, I'm a Wales fan. We'll yeah, come yeah, on yeah. to that at yeah, some that, point. Yeah, that should have been implied at this point, but I feel like, yeah, that's a good time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my uh, we could speed through that. Uh, my dad's side of the family's all Welsh. I thought I didn't like sport. Just turns out I didn't like football. I was at my grandparents' house. Suddenly looked at the TV. Wales were playing Australia. It was a great game. Or maybe it wasn't. Could have well been a shit game. All I remember was when this is the first time you've watched rugby that it's fucking great because it was a whole new kind of world to me. Big memory of my childhood that I always tie to family and kind of all of that stuff. So rugby then has a place kind of there. And obviously this big room full of very, very Welsh people told me that I support Wales. And you know what? I believed them. Yeah. So back to the red card. If that hadn't happened, I strongly believe we would have won the World Cup that year. And that's a hill I will die on. And I don't like doing it because I try not to. But this is one of those instances where I will happily blame the referee. But he brings a lot. Like he's he's 35, which is terrible. Yeah, which makes me sad because I'm 34. <laughs> I know you are yeah. too. And it's, it's, yeah, that's bad. Yeah. So I think he. Yeah, he, he brings a lot. Obviously, he brings like the, the coaching side. He's an incredible player. And I just want to be able to tell people I played with Sam Wolverton. Yeah. Like, he's, did... he, is, he, he was one of my favourite players to watch. Same. I can say that as somebody who is not Welsh and is English through and through. And yeah, Wolverton was always an annoying player to play against because you knew that players would run through a brick wall for him. And I think that, that yeah. that's the kind of guy. And at any level, right? You gravitate towards players like that. So I think that's nice. Oh, definitely. You, you need... We'll refer to them as brick wall players. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you you need and every I think every club has you know, there's always someone I think who steps up into kind of that void. And then in terms of the social side, obviously we're sticking with Wales because I'm fucking shameless. We're going for a rugby player that you have met and actually gone for a drink with, I believe, which kind of proves my point of him being a social player in Adam Jones. Adam Jones looks like he would be cracking on a night out. Yeah, so he came to... I've, I've worked at ESPN for about 10 years, and he came... I think he was doing a series of videos ahead of the 2015 World Cup. He was one of a few players they had. Came into the office, and he just he was really nice, just chatting to everyone. And yeah, then he took like a group of us out for a drink, and just a really nice guy. And yeah, and exactly the exactly that. He's, he's the stereotypical, like, this rugby guy likes having a beer, and he's got great chat. You know, and I think that 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 yeah. is that is like the bedrock of any good rugby team, isn't it? Having that guy on the on the team. Exactly. He he could come out for a couple of drinks. He'll be great on his social. And if he wants to teach us how to get the scrum even better, you know, I'm not going to say no yeah. to him. Doing it with a beer in but, hand as well, just like an absolute lad. Ah, oh, exactly. There was a great, uh, which I'd recommend to everyone if you're listening to this and haven't played rugby but are looking to get into it, the BT Masterclass videos, mm. I mm. think. There's one of him explaining how to scrum while wearing, like, jeans that are clearly too tight for it. <laughs> it's just like, I get yeah, it. Yeah, nice. I get it. This is speaking to me more than any interview ever has. That's great. Well, no, I think those are two good picks. And, uh, well, yeah, and if they're listening, Ickenham, uh, the door is open. Yeah, yeah. Adam, Sam, if you want to come down... 
You're more than welcome to. Yeah. It's not not beyond me to have messaged international rugby players asking if they're free on a Saturday. He's he's genuinely he's, he's serious. I've seen him do it. I've seen him do it, and mm-hmm. it, it's. Yep. I, I respect him. It's a great hustle. And on that bombshell, it brings us to the end of episode zero. So thank you for your time, Nate. Wait, anytime. Thank you for uh, calling in from the east coast of America. Yeah. I, how random, right? Yeah, no, but mate, anytime. And um, I want to be the first to say it on the pod. Best of luck with it, because I'm excited to see where this goes. I appreciate it. And I look forward to hearing more articles you've written about how Max Verstappen has won. <laughs> yeah, you can write them You can write them all just before the races now, which is great. <laughs> but yeah, thank you for your time. Nice one, mate. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. Thank you to Nate Saunders for joining me. And thank you for the few training sessions he actually came down to before he unceremoniously moved house. If you want to hear more from Nate, you can find him on the platform formerly known as Twitter at NateSaundersF1. He's also featured on ESPN's Unlapped podcast and on his own F1 podcast, The Pad Hoc. Roots Are Up Riot was brought to you in association with Ickenham Rugby Club and is a podcast nobody asked for. You can find Roots Rock Riot on Instagram at Roots Rock Riot. And if you want your club involved, please drop us a message there or email us at RootsRockRiotPodcast at gmail.com. Episode 1 is now live and we're covering Ickenham Rugby Club, the club that I play for.